Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hey folks, CJ Grimm here from Poking Dead Things. It's a hard job doing what we do, and it can get kind of gross. We know that you work hard too, so I'm here to tell you that at the end of a hard day, nothing beats a hot bath and a cold beer. So treat yourself right and head to Twisted Willow Soap Company and indulge in a bath bomb with your favorite six-pack. Remember, the only girly thing about a bath bomb are the sounds you're going to make in excitement. Twisted Willow Soap Company. Body. Mind. Soul. What would an ocean be without a monster lurking in the dark? It would be like sleep without dreams. Welcome to Working with Dark Deities, the 88th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of film director Werner Herzog. May call me Ode. May meet. My name is Gwyn, and you may have noticed missing we someone. are missing someone. Car has a car. Yep, he is not feeling well. It's just going to be Ode and I. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. By the way, I really like that quote. Yeah, it's a good one. That where was that from again? It's a uh, Werner Herzog. Very good. Yeah, he's a visionary film director. Well, I can understand yeah. it. I might have to look up some of his films. Roger Ebert's pronouncement on on his body of work was that he'd never made if a film that there wasn't a point to. Well, damn. Mm-hmm. And I I always listened to Roger Ebert, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I'm gonna have to check this out. Very cool. Very cool. No, we did not kill Carr. <laughs> no. <laughs> he is dealing with a migraine. Yeah. Just probably we've had some really bad weather in the last few days and of course just life right now so lots of stressors and we will Car, definitely give him your love is, thank you is prone to migraines when he gets them they tend to be really really bad they so. do yeah they tend to last a few days so this one has laid him up so yeah i, I don't think so. we have any other housekeeping i don't think so not anything planned nothing uh, planned nothing coming up that i'm aware of no, no just, just more the, just the usual stuff that we've talked about in the last couple of episodes Quar- our, our quarantine procedures uh, Quarantine <laughs> procedures. Oh, we will be having Weon Raven as a guest next, right, next week. week. And then that'll be it for a while for our that'll guests. That'll be it for guests. <laughs> All right. So All right, yeah. we are talking dark deities. The spookies. And that's actually maybe the first thing that it's worth addressing. Like, Yes, it is. Because this notion of uh-huh. dark deities is a completely modern invention. It is. Like, it's there's no basis for this in, in historical antiquity. myth, Mm-mm. in anything like that. There now, now, there were... That's not to say there weren't deities who were complicated and difficult. Oh, of course. Hakati being one right. of them. Um, Zeus being another. And, exactly. Well, and, and something that I think is really interesting is that the modern conception of a dark deity is like mm-hmm. really narrow mm-hmm. when really if you examine the gods in more in more detail they all have light and dark mm-hmm. aspects and a lot of gods who are sort of socially perceived as being like socially acceptable mm-hmm. gods mm-hmm. right would fall into the dark deities category if we were like being fair oh absolutely like i was looking today for you know just some more research on dark deities mm-hmm. And it's there a, was everyone gets really like tense about tense this. about it. And the comparison I saw was about Aphrodite being a 
light goddess. Oh, no. And I was like, are you fucking no. kidding me? Aphrodite. Did you read any of her mythology? Right? I mean, like, she's, yes, she is the goddess of love right? and beauty right? and sex right? and vengeance yep. against people who piss her off. Mm-hmm. She's incredibly jealous. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy shit, if you want to say a, a deity that has dark and yeah. light aspects, just check out Aphrodite. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. She's wonderful. I have oh, worked yeah. with Aphrodite in the past. She's a wonderful goddess, but so are all of them. They yeah. all have light and dark. And so I, I think it comes think from the, a Christianization. Exactly. I, think the, I, I think the starting point for this episode is going to be a great one where we're just going to say, like, this is a dumb concept. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Working this, with dark deities. Fucking stop. Stupid. Stop trying to separate them into categories they, like they that. Really, and it, because it's really unfair. Because, like Hakati, she mm-hmm. has both light and dark aspects. Is she kind of terrifying? Yes, she can can be because she is an underworld goddess. She is a goddess of crossroads, but she was also a goddess of healing and childbirth. Something I have noticed is that a lot of chthonic deities mm-hmm. get sort of bundled under the dark deities. Yes. Mm-hmm. category. Mm-hmm. And then their mythology gets sort of distorted it does. by that association, right? Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not Hellenic, but right. like Hades, the sort of quintessential chthonic deity, exactly. right? And chthonic just the means, underworld. yeah, chthonic deity is one whose sphere of influence is beneath the earth. Right, exactly. And a lot of times it has to do with like mineral wealth and things like that. Like one of Hades' spheres of influence, one of the things he's about and in mm-hmm. charge of is wealth because the, all the metals that made up all the coinage in Greece exactly come came from, from the beneath earth. the earth that's from right. Hades realm. So that's just what chthonic means. It doesn't mean like spooky or related to death. It just means from under the earth. Well, modern, I should say modern understanding. Modern interpretation. And interpretation of chthonic right. almost immediately goes to terrifying, scary, spooky. Well, and I anything think, dealing with the underworld and, or death is always exactly. labeled as dark. And I think a lot of people associate like Hades underworld with hell. Yes. And that's not what it is. No, because when you actually look at how the Greeks understood the underworld, mm-hmm. Hades, it was a very complex It was very complex. Yes. For starters. And Hades' character as a deity in the mythology is not like sinister. No. He's just like a guy with a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's really kind of funny because like, I think back to the Hercules movie done mm-hmm. by Disney. Yep. And he's this scary, mean Now, don't villain. get me wrong. That is a great character design, and I do oh, enjoy yes, I know you do. that interpretation, but it's not accurate even it's remotely. It's not accurate. You know what's more accurate? The TV series Hercules version of Hades. Yeah, where he's basically just like, he's I gotta do taxes. doing a job, <laughs> right? That yeah. was him. As I understand it, is like, he is the epitome of death and taxes. Mm-hmm. Like, Hades might as well be yeah. the reason that death and taxes is a saying. Like, he's right. an accountant for death. Yeah, and then you've got your other deities who are associated with him because you have Persephone, who right. is his queen. You have Hermes, Pers- who was also right. who was, who was a, um, a messenger, but brought the dead back and forth. Right, he was a psychopomp. He was a psychopomp along with Hakati. Well, and and like Hermes is never associated as a dark deity. No, right? You never like Hermes. Everyone's perception of Hermes is this fun, light, mischief guy. Because he's the messenger. Mm-hmm. They never think of the fact that he's a psychopomp mm-hmm. who brings the souls. who is a chthonic yep. deity who is ushering souls 
roles. He's a partner to Hakati mm-hmm. in that respect. Mm-hmm. Well, and you see like these these sort of two differing interpretations of Persephone, mm-hmm. where some people will put her as a dark goddess because, because she's, she's the queen of the, the, queen underworld. Of the underworld, and some people will be like, no, no, she's a spring goddess, so she's a light goddess. And they separate her in half uh-huh. in two. She's two which is different. and and I think Persephone really like perfectly encapsulates the flaw of this this breakdown of this mm-hmm. like archetypal of this attempt to categorize the deities into these two archetypal columns mm-hmm. of light and dark mm-hmm. because you can't separate her like that. No, you can't. I think it is really, really interesting too that we have other deities in other, because right now we're just really talking the Greeks. You've got Hel, Hela right. from, yep. from the Norse. You've got Kalima from Hindu. You've got all these deities that are considered dark. And what but people they mean is have- scary. What they mean is scary, exactly. Or and they're very intense. Like the Morgan, everybody who works with the Morgan tells me she is fucking mm-hmm. intense. Yeah, and that's true. She's very intense. Sure, uh, but, but she's also very fair. The thing is, all of the gods can be intense. Oh, like, of course. My experience with Freyr has been mm-hmm. that he's very, very gentle. Mm-hmm. Right. He's mm-hmm. he's not super interested in overwhelming people. Right. But he could. Of course, he easily, could. Easily, trivially, uh-huh. because he's a god. And so I think the. It's not like a difference in scope or power or intensity, really. Mm -hmm. It's a difference in approach. Agreed. And that's interesting that you bring that up when doing this research. Mm -hmm. Someone was talking about the fact that part they think part of the problem, this, and this is someone who works with the Morgan. She said people are doing witchcraft Mm -hmm. or doing ritual without really believing the deities they are invoking are actually going to be there. They may not even actually believe as that in them as individual right. identities. Which that's valid if you're a pantheist or whatever, that's that's like if you like if you're not right. a hard polytheist, obviously that's, that's cool. a valid perspective on, but her on the thought, world. Her thought is that because of this though, mm-hmm. they're making these very shallow kind right. of they, under- get, they they get sort of a surface level yes. A skim. They get a skim of who these deities are, so they don't develop a relationship with them. They don't develop a trust because in they don't, them. Because they don't believe there's anything there to develop a relationship exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I thought that was a very interesting perspective. Yeah. And you could get that with any deity. You only perceive mm-hmm. a deity very, very narrowly. Yeah. If you only see, see Hakati as a dark, frightening psychopomp, yeah. you will not experience her necessarily as a healer or guardian of children. Or when you do, you won't know what you're dealing with. Exactly. You won't recognize her. So, like, we see this a lot in heathenry with Freya. Mm-hmm. Because she's a very complex goddess who has a lot of things going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. The sort of surface level interpretation or understanding or skim of, of Freya mm-hmm. is that she's a goddess who's very focused on love and pleasure mm-hmm. and... Kind of like Aphrodite. Yeah, some similar vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe some, some people will be like, love, pleasure, and witchcraft. But Freya's got deeper layers. She's, she's as much a warrior as, as Odin is. Her witchcraft, the kind of witchcraft she does, Mm -hmm. is genuinely more sinister and more dangerous than people like to present it as being. Mm -hmm. She gathers as many dead as Odin does to take to her hall, Folkvangar, instead of 
into Valhalla mm-hmm. because those are two separate groups of battle dead mm-hmm. who are being used for separate purposes in Ragnarok. If you only look at Freya as a goddess of love and beauty and gold mm-hmm. and maybe some like light fun witchcraft, right? Mm-hmm. Then when she comes to you in a more aggressive aspect, mm-hmm. you're gonna have no idea what to do with her. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think part of this too comes from this understanding in Wicca from like Gardner and all those who who formed Wicca of love and light only. Mm-hmm. And so that's I think where this this that, separation and of I think deity the, came in. That I think it's the love and light and I think it's the Annet Harm Nun. Yes. And let's be honest, Annet Harm Nun, you can't do it. It's not it's actually not viable. it's not viable. Yeah. No matter what you do, there is you cannot live by that it's, principle it's the way not, it is intended. Exactly. It's maybe not a cost you see. It's exactly. maybe not a cost you witness, but it costs someone somewhere something. Exactly. Exactly. Because witchcraft is not something that's done for free. No, it's transactional. It's transactional. And whether it can it be is, miraculous and transactional at the same time. Exactly. It is something that requires a sacrifice of whether it's time or mm-hmm. effort or energy or whatever that you're putting into this. We're talking about transformation here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about taking a concept or an idea that you have formed of something you want to manifest in mm-hmm. this world. That takes time and effort. And so it is going to require something of you. And not just of you. Exactly. Right? Because mm-hmm. when we've talked about this before. Exactly. To manifest something in the world. You might be taking something from someone else. Exactly. Because like there's a limited store of resources in existence. Exactly. Right? So, there, are, there are only so many molecules to exactly. move around. So I think you and I are both in agreement that this concept isn't completely viable the way it is being right. presented. And using it that way, mm-hmm. the only way to make it work is to be willfully blind. Yes. Right? To mm-hmm. the actual costs. Yes. Of these things. To the actual harm that you will inevitably do. And that means you're not taking responsibility for it. That's right. Which is extremely bad news for, for witches. Witches and should always be taking responsibility for that. Always. Work. If you are constantly putting the blinders on because you don't want to acknowledge that your work might cost someone something, mm-hmm. you're only going to see, like, you've created an echo chamber yeah. in which you only get your own ideas reinforced. That's right. And your own perception of reality preserve. And it's not unlike a sock puppet. Yeah. You're and hearing what you want to hear, seeing what you want to see, and I think you interact with any deities that you might be interacting with potentially in a similar manner. If maybe. you expect a deity to be dark and that's how you approach them. Right. If you what, approach them looking for looking, darkness. Looking for darkness or, or fearing them in that way? Yeah. I think I think a lot of people actually bring a lot of fear and anxiety into working with dark deities. I think so. Or too. so I think there are two sort of emotional tacks that people mm-hmm. tend to take in working with quote unquote dark deities, which I still think is a dumb breakdown. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but but the people the, the gods they think are scary, right? right? Either they bring a lot of anxiety to it, mm-hmm. which A makes it real difficult to connect with anyone anyway. Right. And B means 
you're not really in a receptive frame of mind mm-hmm. because your your brain is like gearing up for a, a problem mm-hmm. for a crisis that you're gonna have to resolve mm-hmm. which that's survival instincts baby like that's just how your brain works yeah um, so if you bring fear into that equation you're gonna have a hard time accomplishing anything mm-hmm. other than basic survival yeah and the other approach I think people take with dark deity which is equally counterproductive mm-hmm. is that they <laughs> and, and this is gonna sound like I'm being an asshole maybe but they bring a lot of like ooh I'm I feel real edgy oh okay yeah yeah I see where you're going with that <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah I'm working with these dark deities because I'm a sinister witch <laughs> you know like there's a there's a desire to be spooky and yeah, to embrace yeah. that like I don't think that's with everybody but you do no, see but you see it. You do see that, that sometimes, especially some in younger witches, I yeah. think, and in, in younger pagans. Yeah, and I um, think that's because that's the reaction that they are either getting, right, or that they're going for. Because you know, I mean, I've actually heard people say, "Well, I just will not work with so and so because." They work with Hakati, or mm-hmm. they work with Kalima, yeah. or you know whatever. Uh, they as pe- people who work with Loki used to get that a lot exactly. in the human community. And so you get the you know you get these love and light mm-hmm. you know people who you know are people who will only work with light light deities quote right. unquote. And and so then they are necessarily tagging people as doing dark work right. there as, as being. And I and sometimes they'll even use the word evil. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Which I am not convinced evil as a concept exists. I know. And we, we differ on that. Right. Gwen and I bit. disagree on we this disagree subject. disagree on that. Gwen believes that, like, evil is possible. Mm-hmm. I believe that we're all in a sort of a sliding scale between order, too much of which would be bad, and chaos, too much of which would be bad. Right, right. And finding the balance between those two things is what we're doing. I believe in, a, in an order versus chaos Mm-hmm. A, a lawful, chaotic scale more than a good evil scale. That's fair. And that's fair. I totally <laughs> that's that's my that. alignment. Not a lot of people, but I do so, see people yeah. referring to specific deities as or evil. people who who work with them as evil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, again, I think that comes from the Christianization. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come out of a Christian background into paganism or witchcraft or whatever, and they bring in that... They bring their baggage. They bring yeah. their baggage, and so they bring in that understanding of ooh, this is this is a daddy who works with ghosts and, mm-hmm. and must be evil. Must be evil. And you so, couldn't work with ghosts in a wholesome way. Exactly, exactly. I think it was Rana. She said, "You cannot create without." destruction. You know, you have to pull something apart in order to build it up and make something new. I think that's something people tend to forget. Like, people are freaked the fuck out by Kali because she is a really scary looking deity with the the arms and the swords and the, Mm -hmm. you know, the fangs and, and things like that. And she is known as a destructor, right? She's known as a goddess of destruction, but she's also a goddess of creation and empowerment. Well, and this is something, like, sometimes it's not possible to get a full read on a deity unless you're in the religion. Exactly. And I think people are only seeing one aspect mm-hmm. of her without realizing, again, just like with all these other deities, she's incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to her and just than because, what we understand. And just because she looks scary to your perception, those could be cultural differences. Exactly. Exactly. And Baba Yaga is another deity from, I believe, from the Russian... Baba Yaga gotten deity status now? I thought she was a folkloric Depen- character. Well, she is a folkloric character, but she is... Sure. There are witches and Wiccans. Right. 
right. who, who work with who her work as with a yeah. deity. So she's becoming a deity, I think. But she, least she's a spirit. Exactly. But she is connected with death and rebirth, mm-hmm. with wisdom. Even though she looks, she can look like this beautiful maiden, but she can look like, she a, scary like a scary old witch. Yeah. You know, a scary old Usually shows up as a hag while exactly. with the, the house on the chicken legs. Yeah. Exactly. It's that death and rebirth and wisdom. It all is what she is connected with. Well, and like, so to pull from my own tradition, mm-hmm. Fenrisulfur is one of Loki's children, mm-hmm. and he is prophesied at Ragnarok mm-hmm. to kill Odin. Right. As kind of a judgment on that, he's bound okay. until Ragnarok. Right. Very cruelly bound uh, until Ragnarok. And, and a lot of people take that sort of surface level understanding of Fenrisulfur and say, okay, so that's like a bad one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a bad, evil, giant wolf. Right, right. You often see Fenrisulfur even just, like, not included in a list of deities. Mm-hmm. Even though he's as much Loki's child as Hell is, and Hell's counted as a deity. Right. And there are lots of different opinions on Fenrisulfur mm-hmm. um, inside heathenry. Mm-hmm. But the one that I found most interesting, and the one that's resonated most with me, mm-hmm. and with my admittedly very limited experience with Fenrisulfur, has been... That Fenrisulfur is the punishment of Oathbreakers. Mm-hmm. His mythology is very tied up in Tyr's mythology. Mm-hmm. Tyr is the god of justice and order in society. Mm-hmm. Tyr raises Fenrisulfur, essentially feeds him from his own hands until the moment that it's decided Fenrisulfur is growing too large and too dangerous, and so they're going to trick him into chains and pierce his mouth with a sword. And Fenrisulfur is promised that these chains will not hold him. Mm-hmm. So he's tricked into them. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't trust them because they've been trying to chain him successively. Right. And he asks Tyr, who's essentially his foster parent, mm-hmm. okay, I'll do this. I'll let you put these chains on me. But if I can't get out, if these chains bind me, I will bite your hand off. Mm-hmm. And that's why Tyr is, is the one-handed. one-handed god. And that's uncomfortable. Like, that's an uncomfortable right. moment because Tyr is making what, from his perspective, is an important decision, uh, an important sacrifice for the safety of his community. But he's also betraying Fenrisulfur. Mm-hmm. And as punishment for that, Fenrisulfur takes what he is owed. And you can extrapolate that to, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. when Ragnarok comes and Fenrisulfur breaks free, and rampages through Asgard and kills Odin, mm-hmm. it's because Odin, too, is an oathbreaker many times over. Yeah. And that's deeply uncomfortable to contend with, right? Mm-hmm. But that discomfort is a necessary part of understanding these gods and this mythology. Well, and I think someone earlier mentioned the fact that the deities are, are very much like human beings. You know, their faults and their feelings and things are reflected in the gods. Mm-hmm. This is very much played out in the Greek deities. Yeah. And the people who worshipped them, the ancients, they both revered, loved, and, and feared, feared them. Yep. They made these sacrifices and, and had as these many, rituals. Yeah, as many of those offerings were for please don't pay attention to me as mm-hmm. they were for please do something for me. Exactly, exactly. If not more. If not more. It's not that. No, it is. It's just because the deities, they had both good and mm-hmm. quote unquote bad or dark. Right. Dark 
complicated complicated personalities. So just like Aphrodite is all about love, mm-hmm. she's also about lust. And, you know? <laughs> and, and jealousy. Jealousy and vanity. Yep. She's be- you know, beauty is one of her aspects, mm-hmm. but vanity is the other one. Mm-hmm. I was watching actually today a program about Zeus mm-hmm. and the um and how he was the, the king of the gods and they were talking about the fact that he put his brother, Hades, became yes. in charge of the underworld and Hades put Cerberus in front of the gates to, to Hades, right. right? They brought up the fact that people tend to believe that the Greeks believed Cerberus was there to prevent humans from going into the mm-hmm. underworld. It was actually the other way around. Yeah. It was actually to prevent the dead from escaping. From escaping. Yeah. Into <laughs> because, the world of the living. Be, because the living, the ancient Greeks, mm-hmm. they were concerned with being, that, with being overrun haunted. by shades. Yeah. Yes, they were, they were concerned by that. So that's why they had psychopops. Mm-hmm. That's why they had both Hakati and there Hermes. Were, there were quite a few rituals in ancient Greece and ancient Rome that were dedicated to putting to rest the irritated spirits of ancestors. Exactly. Well, like, if you think about Dionysus, you know, he was the mm-hmm. god of wine and merriment, but he was also... And psychopathy. And psychopathy. <laughs> I mean, shit, there the, is... The orgies. Devotate. Yeah, the orgies became real murder brawls. They <laughs> did. So... There again is that there. It's much more complicated mm-hmm. than people believe. He wasn't just going around having a party, and getting drunk. Right. There was, it was also riot. Rabbit just said, "I don't see any unquiet dead around here." Good boy, Cerberus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. But his job was not a bad job. He was not a, a terrible monster. Right. He was scary looking. <laughs> sure. But he had a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it was a good purpose. Well, and I think it's worth. So I talked earlier about the lawful versus chaotic scale, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everything in a mythology has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Everything in a cosmology is there for a reason. That reason may not be clear to us. Like, I don't know why Athombla, the cosmic cow, existed. Uh-huh. I don't know why she decided to lick the salts and release boar. And I don't <laughs> know where she went after that. She just... It made a brief appearance. She showed up long enough to help create reality, and then she disappeared. Cheers. Presumably, (laughs) she's still out there somewhere licking salts in the void. Like you do. Right? So, like, we don't have the context anymore for, like, what Adombla's cosmological role is, other than this one, this specific thing she does at Mm -hmm. the beginning of reality. Mm -hmm. But mythologies aren't created or actualized Mm -hmm. by accident. Right. They're I'm, meant to convey something. Exactly. All these things mean something. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of figuring out what. Join our tiger, Elora Driver, with the music of Aqua Girl. Aqua Girl is an indie pop musician with a very chill, listenable synth tone, married to lyrics that are by turns hopeful and honest. All of Aqua Girl's tracks have their charms, but I suggest I Think I'm Part of You, an encouraging piece about reconnecting with parts of yourself. You can find Aqua Girl at aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. I think it's super important and often overlooked to bear in mind that myths, like many stories, mm-hmm. are prone to having unreliable narrators. Very much so. <laughs> Especially if they were recorded by monks. Even if they weren't. 
even if they were recorded by the by people, the, yep. right? They're mm-hmm. recorded by a specific group of them mm-hmm. who have specific opinions about this, about these men. Well, like the Theogony by Hesiod, yes. very, very much a, a devotee, mm-hmm. and he was relating the mythology that he, as he understood it, right. the history of the deities of, right. of the gods and the world as he understood it. But it's definitely skewed toward his point of view. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like, none of these myths are, and this I think is this is maybe baggage from Christianity again. Auntie says history is written by the victors, and yeah. that is very, very true. But I think this is baggage from Christianity again that people look at the myths we have mm-hmm. and they take those as gospel. Yes. Because they're people of the book. Right. And most and of us, the rest of us are not. But, with a but few people are, but people are coming out of yes. Christianity mm-hmm. and having a sacred text that's supposed to be divinely inspired and unalterable. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to translate that concept of sacred text into mythology. into mythologies where that concept didn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. These were not divinely inspired in the same way that the Bible is supposed to have been divinely inspired. They were inspired by divine events. Right. They were intended to convey what the people at the time perceived as the state of the gods at that time. Yes. And the previous states of the gods, mm-hmm. right? And but things they were, that happened in their world that the gods right. interacted for with, them. Sure. But they were not supposed to be like Aphrodite personally told me no. this story. Exactly. It is a story known about her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And which was eventually which was originally someone's UPG exactly. to explain something that happened. You or know, not or necessarily to do that. I hate that concept. I okay. hate when people talk about like, oh, everyone was just using mythology and religion to to explain natural phenomenon because that that doesn't cover the whole breadth agree. of mythology. I agree, but I think some of it that potentially sure it some, but that's not. I don't. I don't think that's the point of mythology. I agree, and it frustrates me when people are like the ancient peoples used religion to describe their world. I'm like, sort of, sometimes, sort of, sometimes, but not completely. Exactly. That's not the point of it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is there is some there is some story about her or any other deity right. that is meant to convey a lesson or understanding about or, human nature or and and. Some Sometimes, well, just, that. Just Sometimes it's them. just a story about Aphrodite, yeah. right? But it's a story that was written by a human person. We don't know if it's any more true or accurate than any other story written. And it was probably based on something that they heard. Yeah. Something that had been passed down and for years, half, generations. And half of our records of mythology are explicitly fiction. Yes. They're plays, or they're, or they're novels, mm-hmm. or, you know, ancient novels. Exactly. That, that have a different exactly. structure than the novels we do now, so we don't recognize them as what they were. Exactly. You know, they were epic poems. They were not religious texts. Mm-hmm. They were entertainment. Exactly. So now, bringing it back around to dark right. deities. But, but that's my thing, is because the narrators of these texts were not perfect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those texts aren't perfect. The narrative is incomplete. True. And Rabbit makes a really good point that there could have been a context that was understood by the people back in the day that we just are not aware of anymore. Always possible. Always possible. There, I can never remember what it's called. It's got a really short name. But there was in Egypt at one time mm-hmm. a land that they traded with that it was difficult to get to somehow. Mm-hmm. But they knew the trade route to it, right? Right. I'm going to call it, I don't know, Erd, because I don't remember what it's called. But it's a short word like that. Yeah. And people would talk about, like, the land of Erd, but no one wrote down how to get there. Right. Because everyone knew the way to Erd. Yeah, exactly. It's and like then, me following your dad. He just ex- assumes I know. And then the Egyptians forgot how to get to Erd. Exactly. Exactly. 
Exactly. And they had to mount, one pharaoh had to mount like 30 expeditions to find it again. Exactly, exactly. And then still didn't write down where it was. Right. And I also, I want to go back to this, this idea that Christianity, as it was evolving back in the day, and people were being converted, you know, converted from their beliefs and the de- their deities to modern, you know, what we have today. Sure. There is this concept today of dark and light, right? This dark goddess or light goddess. Now, if you have like the dark feminine, what is it focusing on? It is focusing on lust or rage or wantonness or passion or revenge, things like that. Whereas the other virtuous, the other feminine energy is more love and light and and things like that. And so I think that's, I think. So it's Mother Mary versus Mary Magdalene. Yeah. That's what I think is being, sometimes I think that is what's being put onto our dark deities, whether they're goddesses or gods. Yeah, I don't like focusing on the dark feminine, light feminine thing personally, obviously for understandable reasons. I know, I know. That was just an example, (laughs) an idea of, I think there, there's, this is where this is coming from, is this It's not entirely, right? It's not entirely because it's not like dark and light as concepts didn't exist until Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Like yin and yang are very established concepts mm-hmm. in Chinese, I think, mythology. Yes. Um, Chinese culture. Right. But yin and yang don't mean like just light, good, and no. dark, bad. How we understand They're it. They're like magnetic poles mm-hmm. that are necessarily connected to and repelling each other simultaneously. It's much more complex than we realize. Right. It's not just like one good, one bad. Right. Both and ever. Or male and female, or however you translate it. Or or negative and positive. Or you know what it is? It is negative and positive. But it's negative and positive the way magnets are negative and positive. Mm -hmm. Not with a moral connotation, just with the nature of the thing. Right. So, like, that concept does exist. Mm -hmm. And I think, sometimes I think what happened is that, like, the yin and yang concept and the Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene dichotomy Mm -hmm. got, like, all smooshed together somewhere in colonialism Mm -hmm. and now we have this really like terrible homogenized dark light dichotomy Mm -hmm. that is extremely shallow and unhelpful Mm -hmm. and it causes people because of like purity culture Mm -hmm. and fear of contagion of like catching someone spooky to like try to categorize everything into one of these two poles Mm -hmm. but without even really understanding what those poles are Exactly, exactly. And I think maybe we can transition into how do you work with the quote-unquote dark deities Exactly then? the same way you work with all of them. Exactly. And I think <laughs> I think part of it is when you are, if, if you are working with a deity, because not everybody does, right, yes. you know, but when you're in devotion to a deity, you are developing a relationship with that right. deity. And this again comes back to that, like, mm-hmm. there's two, I think, flawed premises that people mm-hmm. bring to working with dark deities is either fear or... Or it's the like I don't know how to describe it. This like caution? No, it's the yeah. opposite of oh, caution. It's, the, uh, it's that it's that like oh, I yeah. want to be spooky because right. it's edgy and weird. Right, 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 right. It's that desire to be an outsider, right? right? Like right. that intentional outcasting. Right. I'm sure there's a word for it, but I can't pull it to the top of my brain. Right. So there's that fear that people bring, and there's that intentional outcasting that people bring. I think you see a lot of people getting into Hakatian worship in that with that vein, and mm-hmm. the Morrigan. Yeah, yeah, because uh, any 
wasn't dating. He was a bad reputation. Yeah, right? you'll see this with, quote bad. You'll you'll right. You'll see this with with Loki too. Loki. Yeah, they want you want to be edgy. Worship Loki. Right. Um, or any of the Jotnar. So you you see that the the fear and the edginess, which are the mm-hmm. two flawed premises that people bring to working with deities, with quote unquote dark quote deities. Unquote. Because they're going to influence the type of relationship you even can have with mm-hmm. that deity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because if you are only going into a relationship with the deity from one of these perspectives, you're missing out, I think, on the richness of an actual relationship with this whole deity. It's like trying to have a relationship with a department store mannequin mm-hmm. instead of with a real fucking person. Yes, yeah, because you have... You have an image, mm-hmm. but you don't have the reality yeah. behind There's that There's nothing image. beneath it, right? Exactly. Like, it looks very trendy or whatever, yeah, and it's yeah. cool clothes mm-hmm. in the window yeah. at the mall. But it's not a person, and you're going to have a real hard time establishing a genuine emotional connection with the mannequin. And I, I think part of that, that is the reason it is continues that. It's because when people are relating to these deities in this way and then they teach other people to relate. Oh yeah, it propagates. It propagates. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. It propagates this mm-hmm. belief. It becomes self-sustaining. It becomes self-sustaining. So if you believe, because I'm speaking as a Hakati in which, if you believe that Hakati is a dark deity and she's always challenging, mm-hmm. she's always harsh, she can be scary. If that's the only way you see her, yeah. you are missing out on so much more of who she is because she is a mother. Mm-hmm. She is a dark mother, but she is also a light mother. You know She's what I'm saying? She's just a mother. She's just a mother. This is, and, and, and I do call again, her my dark mother. Yeah, you, because, you know, I, but. She feel witchy. It does make me feel witchy. I'm not going to deny that, you know, because she is a, a goddess of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And so she is my she is my goddess of witchcraft that I'm currently working with. I'm going to be working with a couple others. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Going to be branching out? Okay. I'm going to be we'll branching talk about that later. The thought is, though, if that's the only approach someone is being given, yeah. then that's all they're going to understand about that deity. Well, and so... Unless they, op- unless they open themselves to the possibility of relating to that deity in a different way. So here's the other side of sock puppets, mm-hmm. right? We've mm-hmm. talked about sock puppets before, mm-hmm. which is when you're parroting the things you want to hear mm-hmm. and pretending that a god is talking to you or, or another spirit. interpreting or it as a right. god or a spirit when it's actually your own thoughts. Right. You decide that you're that this is Odin speaking to you when really it's just you telling yourself what you want to hear. There's like an opposite danger to sock puppets, mm-hmm. which is to have a too shallow understanding of the god you're working with so that when they come to you, you don't recognize them. Yeah. And you think you're dealing dealing with a sock puppet. Exactly. Right? Like if you only expect to see Hakati mm-hmm. as a scary challenging figure who will never be gentle with you and then you come to Hakati desperate and she is kind to you mm-hmm. you will think you have not reached Hakati yeah exactly exactly but you have but you have you You've just... just not recognized her mm-hmm. or and this is why discernment is so important it's you guys. so important and the thing is I think you can get these 
you can get these responses to any deity, whatever deity you're working with. I do want to say Finn said, when Hal first approached me, I was reluctant to respond. She showed me a side of her that took that fear away, and now I have an altar for her. She has helped a lot with yes difficult emotions. Finn, thank you for saying this. I, when I first started in heathenry, like, I knew I wanted to work with Loki because I needed to challenge the side of myself that's that's really content with being static, right? I, I found Loki relatively easy to contact and relatively willing to work with me, although he was sometimes scary because I needed to be shaken up. Right. But I was anxious about working with hell. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, like, I couldn't have told you why, except that everything I had read about her from devotees was that she was very difficult and frightening and, and that's cold. And heard, yeah. And so that was what I was expecting from hell. But when I actually made contact with hell for the first time, mm-hmm. she looked scary, mm-hmm. but she did not feel scary. And I think that's the key. Yeah. Recognizably herself. And she wasn't, she didn't coddle me, mm-hmm. but she made it clear she was wasn't here to hurt me. Yeah. Certainly not in a way that I could not recover from. Exactly. Right. Owl's Perch said, I also had that experience with Caradwin. Mm-hmm. I also second-guessed myself on her initial contact because her stories were considered dark. Mm-hmm. I think that's very common. It's very common. I think... And I think that cuts people off from so many it does. valuable devotional experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, like, when I first started working with Akati, the first time I worked mm-hmm. with her was years ago. Right. And, and it was like a super cash, like, it was very summoning casual. at a crossroads that At you a did. crossroads. But I understood her then as strictly a dark goddess in the scary aspect mm-hmm. of and this was an intense spell right. that I needed an intense, dark, scary goddess for. Right. And so, but then when she actually came to me 15 years later, mm-hmm. out of the blue, she was a maiden. Mm-hmm. And she had her, her two hounds. She was still intense. And she did tell you you owed her one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was like, hey, remember me? Right. Been 15 years, I've been very patient. Very patient. <laughs> but... She, even though she, there was still that intensity, there was, it wasn't like scary. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even scary when I worked with her back the 15 years right. prior. It was just, it was really, just a lot. It was just a lot and it was intense. And I think that's, and, and that's, that's the approach thing we talked about before. Mm-hmm. We're like, Freya, when she comes to me, tends to come to me a lot. Yeah, yeah. Freyr is more, it's, I wouldn't say he's more reserved, but he's more careful with mm-hmm. me. Interestingly, Frigga, who has always come to me as right. a mother. Yes, so you and I have very different experiences She's Frigga. now, though, coming to me more in as the queen. As the queen. As the queen. Interesting. And, but it's still, but that mother feeling is still there. But there is a sense of she's more. Mm-hmm. She let you get comfortable. She let me get Mom. comfortable. And then she, then she started working with me as a seer. As a seer. And now she's bringing me into like, okay, I have a mm-hmm. bigger role here. Right. So it just, it really honestly depends. Sometimes the gods are like puzzle boxes. Yeah. Or like nesting dolls. Yeah. Nesting doll or an onion. You just yeah. have to peel you just the keep layers. Finding new layers. Finding new layers. And but the thing is, I think whatever deity you work with, if you work with one, mm-hmm. they're going to eventually 
challenge you. They're going to yeah. eventually push you to be, because they, you know, they are on our side, but they, you know, for the most, most part, of most of them. John Beckett on Pantheos has a, like a, like an ethos that mm-hmm. all the gods are, God, I can't remember exactly how he says it, but that, but that all the gods are moral, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly how he says it, but something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Some of the gods certainly are not what we would consider moral. Mm-hmm. Some of their actions are questionable. questionable. Well, and there's... But, so, so like, I don't necessarily think all of the gods are always morally right. Oh, I don't think they are either. But I think they're all always... They're worth developing relationships with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you'll learn is that you shouldn't have a relationship with this deity. That's true. And sometimes, think about it this way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, especially if you're a witch mm-hmm. who is willing to do curse work, sure, you need a possibly a deity who's got flexible morality. <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just put it out there. Sometimes you need a deity with flexible morality. Yeah, and many of them do have very and flexible they do. morals. They do. Absolutely. And sometimes that's because they're working on a whole different scale from us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's because they just don't really care what our moral system is. Exactly. Because <laughs> sometimes they don't even care what their moral system is. Because when it comes down to it, we are humans. They are not. Mm-hmm. We understand them through our... Through the lens of us. Through the lens of humanity yep. with our emotions and our responses and things. And but that. yet they are not. And that, I think, is why it's so unproductive to bring that fear mm-hmm. or that edginess mm-hmm. as your primary emotion when you're when you're trying to connect or work with these gods because you're going to distort the view through your lens. Exactly. And then you're just going to miss something. Yeah. I feel like you're gonna miss a lot. And you may never develop the trust. With that thing yeah. that is required, especially if you want to grow or stretch mm-hmm. or they develop, are just develop as a human being, as a witch, as a, as a pagan. pagan. If you want to be able to move beyond where you're at right mm-hmm. now and they're leading you down a path that is difficult mm-hmm. and scary and emotionally, you know, is draining. draining and yeah. is going to require a lot. Yeah. You have to have trust. And, and that and, takes time to develop and it takes a clear understanding of who you're working uh, exactly. With. And that's discernment again. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not we're not saying like blindly trust all oh, the God, gods. No, gods, no. We're we're saying that the gods you should be working with, whoever mm-hmm. whichever gods are right for you to work with, mm-hmm. you have to take the time to build up that relationship. Yep. And part of that relationship has to be trust. I would never encourage someone to do something like a shadow work or anything. Or any kind of work. Any kind, any kind of work, deep work with a deity they do not know. Yes. Certainly no deep work with a deity you don't know. Yeah. At all. At all. <laughs> And I would say no, I would say no work with a deity you don't trust. Mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. like if you don't even at least have a base level trust that they aren't there to hurt you mm-hmm. or to lead you into trouble mm-hmm. or at least not to do those things maliciously. Right. Or at least not to do those things entirely maliciously. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Loki and Odin are notorious. Tricksters. They're both tricksters for sure, yes. Mm-hmm. But they're notorious for dragging their devotees into shit. But they 
don't like the, it's not just for the shits and giggles. Some of it's for the shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do find your flailing amusing. Mm-hmm. But they they're doing this in the hope that you will be in on the joke, right? Yeah. yeah. The intention is for you to learn something from this experience, mm-hmm. generally speaking, or for them to get something specific out of it. Mm-hmm. I think there are there are deities, and I would include Hecate as one mm-hmm. of them, who will let you flounder. Huh? Yeah. They'll just be sitting back there going, uh-huh. Yeah. I've told you exactly what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll let you flounder. Uh-huh. And because it's just, it's a process and yeah. it's working toward your goal. You have to own your shit. Yeah. The deities, the gods, the goddesses, they're not they're gonna not do shortcuts. it for you. They're not shortcuts. Yeah. No. They're, they're gonna challenge you and they're gonna take you on a journey. And I think it's really important mm-hmm. because, I mean, we are talking about dark deities here, yep. quote unquote. Yep. Quote but I think I think it's really important to recognize that that's going to be true for all deities because I'm so maybe this is the the thesis of this fucking episode. Yep, yep. All deities are dark deities. Yes. <laughs> Shit, even the Christian deity. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to say at the church will teach all like God, their God is Read all the light all the time. Read the fucking Old no, Testament. No, fuck that. Read the New Testament. Yeah. What happens to Christ? Yeah. That's some messed up shit. Exactly. And we're talking about this on Easter Sunday or Easter oh, weekend. Oh, we are, aren't we? God, yes, I we are. That. Join our tiger, Kelly, on a visit to Tree Wizard Creations, where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths. They offer unique gifts and tools for altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com. That's T-R-E-E-W-Y-Z-A-R-D creations at gmail.com. Or follow them on Facebook. I think Owl's Perch is already saying it's already enough to trust a deity after being burned by the church. Mm-hmm. But verbiage like dark and left-hand path can steer people away from gods and goddesses that could help them through the healing process simply because they are quote-unquote dark deities. Yeah. But they're deities that might be more equipped to help you with yep. your shit yep. than some other deity, but you're too scared to approach them mm-hmm. because of the label of dark. Yeah. There are so many people who could benefit from working with the Morrigan, who could benefit from working with hell, yep. who could benefit from working with Hakati oh, everybody or could Hermes. Work. Everyone on earth can benefit from working with hell. She's going to help you with your mortality. Exactly. Exactly. There's so many. Okay. Like in the Egyptian pantheon, Sekhmet. Our friend Pat loves mm-hmm. Sekhmet because Sekhmet is all about protection and vengeance and vengeance but also she's a, she's she's a lioness yeah but also healing yeah you know sure. so she she will go out ahead of you and like okay she'll clear the path she'll clear the path for yeah. you that's what Sekhmet does that's her thing hopefully someone's working with Sekhmet to get some uh ventilators uh, actually imported oh, into our country that's the into damn the states truth. that need them or if you are a person who is looking for independence for mm-hmm. some Sovereignty for breaking out of the shit of being trapped and into liberation. Lilith. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of the definition of that her whole the thing. Definition of Lilith. Liberation is li- yeah. Liberation. <laughs> liberation and sovereignty. Yeah. Is all is what she's about. Yep. But she's she's spooky. She's spooky. Yeah. 
she is a dark goddess. Mm-hmm. She's a demon in, yeah. in, in uh, some mythology. In Hebrew mythology. Yep. But yet she is the one who's like, fuck no, I am not doing that. I'm doing this. And if you need that energy, maybe she's a deity that you should be developing. If you a need to learn that lesson. If you need yeah. to learn that lesson, maybe she's a deity you need to develop a relationship with. You don't just work with her blindly. You get to right. know her. Yeah. You ask her. You ask her for, for help. Because not every deity's gonna work. With no. You. And Light, dark, aware, whatever. And be aware that if they do choose to work with you, and they're an intense deity. And, but no, I'm going to say again, all the all well, the that's true. Be intense. All all deities are intense. That's it's true. not a question of whether the deity is intense or can be intense. Right. It's a question of their specific relationship with, with you. you. Yep, exactly. So like, even if you're like, and, and this is what frustrates me, because people will talk about like, oh, the Morrigan's such an intense goddess, you can't have a relationship with the Morrigan unless you're ready to go to war. Right. Right. I find that's not true for a lot of the people who work with her, though. This is what I'm saying, though. People say that, yeah. and that's the perception of the Morrigan. And so people who might need the Morrigan mm-hmm. are too afraid to approach her because they think, like, they can't handle it. Well, like, I know your brother mm-hmm. works with the Morrigan. He had some anger management issues when yeah, he was younger. Yeah, she helps him with anger management. That she, is literally the whole thing she helps him with. She completely came to him. She came mm-hmm. to him and said, let me help you with this. Yep. And she does. And she does other things now too their their relationship right. is extended. but that was like that was the, that whole, was the whole part the whole point starting point of, yep. of my brother's relationship with the morgan was anger, anger management. management which you are not gonna find on a list of the things the morgan does no but that's what she does for him mm-hmm. and and she introduced herself yep to him for that purpose yep but if he had not been willing right if he'd been scared if he'd of been the idea of, of the morgan because of her dark dating aspects, mm-hmm. then he would have been missing out he would on have missed a out on what's whole become lot of a, healing. Exactly, and on what's become a really important relationship mm-hmm. in his religious life. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I feel bad for people yeah. who are so frightened and I think, when it comes to working with certain And I think using deities. words like intense scares people. Oh, that's true. You're right. I think saying you know, working with his deity is going to be really intense tells mm-hmm. people, like, people who aren't sure they have that in them mm-hmm. are just not going to try. That's that's true. So I mean, even that's so I'm saying even right now I'm gonna have to learn to to use different verbiage. Yeah. I think that's part of it. So we have to. We learn have all to this ingrained, ingrained yeah. understanding, this, um, this vocabulary that's really constraining. Yeah. And maybe we all need a little Lilith to break those fucking chains. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's not helping us. And I understand where it came from. I'm I'm pretty sure it came from people trying to like keep others safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone had a spooky experience with a Morgan and was like, I bet or warn people that the mm-hmm. Morrigan can be scary Same so that no one the others. exactly so that no one gets in over their head and I get that impulse mm-hmm. but you end up trapping people in the shallow end of the pool mm-hmm. and like like they can't even see the deep end much less the ocean mm-hmm. and like there's important shit in the ocean that you might need to have access to mm-hmm. but if you can't even get out of the shallow end of the pool you are never going to get there mm-hmm. and I also think it, a relationship with a deity is different for every person yeah you cannot you can't generalize you can't things. generalize these things like tends to happen in some other mm-hmm. religions that we've already mentioned several times. It not even that. Not it happens that. in our religion. Well, that's true. It does. It happens in. It just happens in religion. Exactly. And so, like I was talking about earlier with Freya. Exactly. The stereotype for Freya is 
the love and pleasure and gold goddess. Mm-hmm. Probably half of heathens who, you know, know anything about Freya, that's all they know about Freya. Mm-hmm. But like I'm looking at what Auntie said, I didn't want to work with gods after breaking out of the church, but when one reached out to me, I had to listen. I understand that because I, for years, did not work with a yeah, deity. Yep. I, well, quote unquote, I had a working relationship with Brigid. As your supervisor. As my supervisor. But Which that was, and, and speaking of vocabulary again, mm-hmm. that was all just like language you were using to feel more comfortable with yes. that situation. Yes, it was. But I think it did alter the way your relationship with her functioned. Mm-hmm. And I think it still has a tendency, it still is repairing from mm-hmm. that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, like, the, the language we use to describe this stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Not just because of, you know, trying not to scare people away unnecessarily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not not because of just, like, accessibility. But, like, <laughs> I don't want to get into a linguistics debate. There are different schools of thought on this. But there is a school of thought that your language is intimately tied to your ability to process reality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Your understanding of the world is in some ways constructed by the language that you have available to you. Mm-hmm. Things that you can't describe in words, you are less likely to experience. Right. That's why words like numinous which has like a really vague definition, mm-hmm. right? It's just like the experience of divinity, which is like an impossible thing to describe mm-hmm. in a in a physical sense. But that's what why words like numinous are really important because they give us a way to talk about it. And that's why we coin new words. Right. To describe new experiences or new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to do some deconstructing of the language we use about our relationships with the gods and we need to maybe re-examine how we talk about them with each other and mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, your relationship with Brigid is still being repaired mm-hmm. from when you insisted that she was your supervisor and not your patron. Yeah, exactly. Like, that made a difference in your relationship with her, even though you were doing basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that's overlooked and super, like, critically important, especially if we're working with the quote-unquote dark, dark deities. deities. Exactly. Because there's so much baggage with that terminology. There is. There's so much baggage. And Whether it comes from Christianity or, or Shakespeare or capitalism or, or, or whatever. Or like, whatever. Yep. It, or, or within pagan tradition exactly, itself. Exactly. It like left-hand path. Left-hand path. Yeah. So poison path. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to work. And some with people plants. have like some people have like reclaimed those terms, mm-hmm. but they've still got loaded histories exactly that complicate your relationship with that experience. Because mm-hmm. really, I think we can learn from all of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I think you're right. I think some people like like to say they're they're on the left hand path mm-hmm. because it's spooky. It's scary. It's, it's edgy. edgy yeah. And things like that. Or it identifies for people who are not on the left-hand right. path. For like, the right-hand path, I the, guess. Yeah. <laughs> that, ooh, those are people that I need to avoid. Uh-huh. And what that doesn't accomplish anything successful or useful. Right. It just divides the it community. It just divides the community. In it's a, like, in a really unproductive way. It, it really does. It really does. So. It's, the, it's, it's that intentional ostracization of yourself, again, mm-hmm. that, like I was talking mm-hmm. about before, when I was looking for a word other than edgy and still haven't quite found one. Like, yeah. it's it's that, and I get it. Some of it's, like, being part of a marginalized community already. And so mm-hmm. you, you, you already feel marginalized, and in a way, you're comfortable with being marginalized. Right. Like, I get that. 
Mm-hmm. I get that intimately. Right. And there comes a point where the only way you know how to be is an outcast, mm-hmm. right? You don't understand how you fit into a mainstream group anymore. Mm-hmm. So you find ways to be outside the mainstream group. Yeah. We have lists of who the dark deities are. And it should be all of them. And it should be all of them. And so that, I guess that is the thing is like, do you even... I don't know of a single deity Mm -hmm. in any mythology who is completely flawless. Right? I I don't either. I mean... So like, how are... Who's making these judgment calls? That's the question, isn't it? Who's writing these lists? Who's writing these lists? Because Aphrodite... And and the list of... And the list of dark goddesses that I saw, Aphrodite was not included among them, but I think she should be if you're going to divide these deities into not dark and dark. dark. Because even if you say light, like if you look up light deities, you get all the sun gods. gods. Yeah. That's... that's, (laughs) And that's, this is the same thing with the left-hand path versus the, we don't call it the right-hand path, right? Right, right. We call them the dark deities. We don't call their the counterparts the light deities. No, we don't. We, we only, just call them deities. We only specifically refer to the ones we're pulling out of the mainstream. We only create new language for the outcasts. Mm-hmm. Now, Rana makes an interesting point. She says, I don't equate dark to flaws. And I don't know that that's necessarily what people are doing when they say dark deities. But yet, I think for some, they are. Because yeah. some people find these these, these characteristics, these, characteristics these, qualities. these qualities of some of the dark deities that are quote-unquote spooky. spooky, scary, yeah. frightening. They are, to some people, that's a flaw. It doesn't match, like, your, your internal perception of what godliness is, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of that's colonialism. I would would bet Kalima is on a lot of these lists because white people think she looks scary more than because they know anything about her. And, and like, I'm sure she does have, you know, complicated, difficult aspects because all the gods have complicated, difficult aspects. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. I think this is part of colonialism. Yeah. These deities that are coming from different... Especially because when you see these lists of, quote, dark deities, Mm -hmm. you just see them all sort of mashed together with no regard for where they came from Mm -mm. or what the context is. Mm -mm, That's true. Like, you'll just see, like, it's it's just a list of names, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a two-sentence description. Death that and is, destruction. Yeah. Underworld. That is not going to suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and usually it's death, destruction, war. And the underworld. And yeah. the underworld. But they all have their qualities that would be... They have more than death, destruction, right. war, fear, spirit, it's, blah, blah. It, you know, what I think is... I would love to know who's deciding which qualities to focus on. Because like Odin mm-hmm. and Freya and Thor and Tyr and a lot of the Norse gods mm-hmm. have war as one of the things... They're they do. And no one seems to be consciously aware of that mm-hmm. because they only think of like one or two of them as being, quote, war, war gods. Mm-hmm. But that's not really how the Norse cosmology, that, 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 the, how that pantheon works. Mm-hmm. They don't separate out into neat categories like like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, putting them in, in lists like this mm-hmm. where you describe, like, just the spooky aspect of the god and disregard all the all other, other shit they do yep. is, like, it's... It's almost lying at that point. It really is. It really, it actually, like, I always go back to Hecate because she's the right. quote unquote dark goddess that I work with. Right. There are, you know, anytime I see her listed, it is always, mm-hmm. you know, crossroads, witchcraft, 
ghosts almost exclusively. There are hundreds of, of things that she does, right. just like other deities. Uh, Rana makes a good point. She says, another example of gods and humans mirroring each other None of us are only one thing. Mm-hmm. I am a mom. I am a woman. I am a professional. I am a counselor. I am a witch who refuses to call herself a witch. I am a pagan. I am brunette. I am Tiwa. I can go on and on. To expect our deities to only be one thing is silly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's like I don't think like we could we could rant we could, about this for another hour is, probably, that, but like that wraps it up. That's very the nicely. point. That is right? the point. Our deities aren't one thing. We called this episode "Working with Dark Deities" mm-hmm. because. People have asked us to talk about this topic, mm-hmm. but my thesis on this is there aren't any. Yeah, they're just deities. And these are, but they, they might be the deities that deal with issues like and death. You, and you might have, <laughs> and, and working with them might be challenging. Mm-hmm. And because you're going to bring baggage with you, mm-hmm. you might have to work with them differently or more carefully than you work with deities you don't have baggage about. Exactly. But ultimately, they're still just gods that you will work with the same, you will need to develop the same kind of relationships with that you develop with all other exactly, gods. Exactly, exactly. And you want to build this relationship mm-hmm. with them so that you trust them just like you do any other deity that you work with, do magic with, or just worship. You approach them them all the same way. Yep. Just be Stop open. Stop factionalizing the gods. Yeah. Just be open. Go to them and say, I would really like to uh, to know you. Yeah. And like you said, some of them will work with you. Some of them won't. Some of them you'll have a hard time accessing because you're scared of them. Exactly. And some, they may ask you to do something that you don't want to do. Right. And then you have to make a judgment call. And then, exactly, you have to discern Mm -hmm. if this is a a direction you want to be led. Because as someone else mentioned earlier, they are guides. Yeah, they well, will act not well, all. not all, but they will they will act as guides Some if that them. is part of, of your journey and them. your relationship with them. Right, exactly. All right, I think that's everything. I think we've covered it. Yeah. So unfortunately, again, no right, car, no car. No car. Hopefully, so we can't do our our outro. So I'm gonna say Google us. <laughs> yeah. Go to threepagansandacat.com. That's the number three pagansandacat.com. Or Google three uh-huh. or come visit us on Patheos Pagan, right. where I do most of the writing, and Ode is supposed to do one a month, but I'm still and I totally forgot, totally forgot. So it's hopefully gonna show up at some point, week. maybe, maybe we'll next find, week. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. The world will wait in wonder. <laughs> Totally intended to. I know you did. Um, and then obviously next week we're going to be talking to Guyan Raven. Yes, which about is, food magic. So that's, that's going to be right. Fun. That'll be a lot of fun. And we just want to encourage, first of all, we want to thank all of you. You guys are just amazingly supportive. Right. I've seen you all in the Discord taking care of each other. I really appreciate that. You've been beautiful. And you are still supporting us financially, which is amazing to me. And again, we want to reiterate, take care of yourselves first. Right. And keep supporting each other. Yeah. Support each other. Um, You know, buy things from each other. There's a new channel on the Discord called Diagonally, where people are are leaving links to their shops and mm-hmm. to the the artists and, and producers they support. I am doing a guided meditation. Alice Perch just, yep. just reminded me. Um, I'm Monday through Friday on the Facebook page, mm-hmm. and I'm also uh, sharing it to, like, the group and everything. Time. 
8 a.m. Eastern Standard. Yes, it's an atrocious time. It's an atrocious time, I know, but that's why it's recorded, <laughs> so people don't have to be there live. They can watch it whenever the fuck they want. Yeah. But it's, it is a, a guided meditation. Um, usually, I try not to be more than 15 minutes at most. Yeah. And just to help us get through all this shit, man. Yep. And it helps me as much as it helps you guys. So, <laughs> everyone, I know it sucks, and it's it's difficult. It's more difficult for some people than others. I know the extroverts out there are really struggling. Keep maintaining social distancing. Keep yep. following. CDC and WHO guidelines, uh, oh, so and we can all get through this. Exactly. As long as he's feeling better tomorrow, right. Carr does the 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zoom meetings, just to get together and chat. Uh, so hopefully he'll be feeling better tomorrow and be willing to do that. But yeah, stay inside. Yeah, Auntie M says, I have it, you don't want it. Stay inside. Oh, Auntie, yeah, we're going to yeah. be hoping that you recover quickly and soon yep. and feel better soon. We've had actually several people in the in in the, uh, yeah, in the, in the pride. Several people in the pride have come down with it. Yep. So just be safe mm-hmm. and, again, follow the guidelines. Wear a mask when you go outside. Yeah. Uh, the, Don't go outside unless you have to. The, to a store or whatever yeah, unless you have to. At least in the United States, the recommendation is now to wear cloth masks. Mm-hmm. Not to try to get medical masks because we yeah. have a critical shortage of those. But uh, you can make a cloth mask out of like a bandana or a scarf, and that'll just yep. give you that one little extra, extra layer. layer. And we'll just, as you were saying, we'll just get through this together, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yep. We just have to stick together. It's just together. gonna be rough, but we just we just all gotta buckle down That's and right. do it. <laughs> and we will see the other side of this, and then hopefully some things will change yeah. so that we do not have this mess. I've seen a lot of people talking in the about future. um it, it's really easy to be depressed right now. Yes, it is. And we are I've seen a lot of psychologists talking about the fact that basically uh the whole world is experiencing trauma right now. Our brains are in trauma mode, which means people are sleeping a lot more or a lot mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. Your brain literally isn't processing all the emotions that you're having because right. it's in survival mode. Some of this stuff is going to become mental health issues down the road after quarantine is lifted when you feel safer and, and like things are more normal. This is going to have long-lasting effect and that's going to be difficult for everyone but one of the things we need to those of us who are able to the, mm-hmm. what something something we need to do is we need to stay angry mm-hmm. about how this has gone. That's right. We cannot let, there was a really great article that I read today that said we cannot allow ourselves to be gaslighted yeah. into going back to the status quo because the status quo is what got us here. Yeah. And so it's, we, right now it's time to survive. Yeah. But when this is over, it will t- it will be time to be angry. That's right. So, and I will remind everyone when this is over that it's time to be angry. That's right. That's right. And but just remember, and I've said this multiple times when I've been doing the meditations, your feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. What you are experiencing right now is valid and it's okay. Whatever that may be. Yep. And just do what you need to do to get through the day. You and, and your is, family and those who are with you. And there is <laughs> there's not really a wrong way to do that right now. Whatever it yeah. takes you to get up in the morning and go to bed again at night. That's exactly right. That's exactly and right. And we will, we will figure out the new normal when mm-hmm. we get there. And in the meantime, we will do our best to stay uh-huh. here we'll, with we'll, you. We'll keep the mic running. And, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to, to make sure it keeps running. We'll yeah. just, we'll keep doing what we do and you guys stay safe and keep doing what you do. Keep doing what you do. Goodbye. We are saying goodbye. goodbye. Adios, goodbye, muchachas friends. and muchachos and all those in between and we are going and we are going.
You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.